morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Wherever you are, I want to thank you and introduce you to this new podcast, Jeremy Takes on HIT, or HIT. want to uh, welcome you in to an experience I hope you'll enjoy, uh, and if you don't, I guess you'll stop listening. So what I, uh, I'm going to try to do here is uh, do a weekly, semi-quote-unquote, uh, podcast on uh, some of the biggest stories this week in HIT or healthcare information technology. Give you what the what the facts are, tell you why you should care, and then give you my take. Uh, what who who am I? I'm I'm Jeremy Coleman. I have been in healthcare IT for over a decade now. Worked in hospitals in Alabama. Worked for three different EHRs, both ambulatory and acute, have been in uh, interoperability in that space uh, virtually the entire time. So you're going to get a perspective from the hospital standpoint, from the provider standpoint, from uh, what the impact is to them, but then also on the vendor side, from a business standpoint, what are people doing to try to make money, what is the business case, and then what's the overall impact into the entire market? And then a little bit maybe broader standpoint from a policy standpoint, because healthcare is so highly regulated, therefore the technology that empowers healthcare is going to be highly regulated as well. So just a little bit of what we're trying to accomplish. If you're a part of the health IT industry or ecosystem uh it we hopefully will understand some of this. I'm going to try to break down a lot of the jargon or abbreviations that we use. Um, but again, leave a comment, give some feedback, and then we can have a Q&A uh, part of this. But uh, why don't we just kind of get right into uh, what this is going to be all about. What... Uh, the first kind of what I'm going to do is do a couple of different stories, whatever really you know, I think is going to be the biggest impact uh, from this last week, and then go into uh, this, this three-step format. So the first one that we're going to look at, obviously, because uh, Silicon Valley technology and these big companies coming into the healthcare spaces is really starting to drive a lot of the conversation. And, it's re- and, and what's interesting in my standpoint, before I get into the actual story, is it's pulling in uh, a lot of people from outside healthcare technology to be a lot more interested as far as what are the problems that we're trying to solve. And, and a lot of this revolves around overall healthcare cost and, and pricing from that standpoint. So one of the big players that are now entering into the market is, is Amazon. Uh, they had a story uh, this week, or, or stories were broken, about how they were going to step back from the drug market. So originally what they wanted to do is come in and start selling pharmaceuticals to hospitals and practices inside the United States. They uh, obviously had felt like they had a core competency or a, um, a, a strong uh, presence in distribution and sales. Obviously, you know, uh, I, I'm sure imagine a lot of you are prime members and so you take advantage of that. Amazon has a strong retail presence. And so they wanted to leverage that, try to be a disruptor. And, and if you wonder what I consider a disruptor is, is somebody that comes in 
and changes the standard relationships within the market or what they uh, how uh, different actors are in the market a lot of times you would think Amazon was certainly a disruptor in retail uh, cutting out the, uh, the the brick and mortar store and, and really created uh, a uh, easy experience for online sales and the expectation uh, things that things weren't going to be so shady between site to site and really became a marketplace where people could come in and so they were going to try to leverage that experience and bring this into uh, hospital pharmaceuticals so that's kind of the pre story the story that happened that broke last week is that uh, Amazon is going to step back from that market and, and what they have found is that the relationships between the distributors and uh, these other companies that Amazon was going to try to compete against, namely McKesson and Cardinal, uh, is they were some deep and highly uh, integrated relationships and, and not integration in from a technology standpoint, although that's certainly true, but, uh, but, but all the way across the entire market from suppliers to uh, even personnel. So one of the things that uh, hospitals push back from a we got to give you a reason standpoint is that they were not going to sell class 3 devices. Uh, so if you think about things that are class 3 like uh, implantable devices like a pacemaker they were not going to do that and so since they couldn't supply the whole uh, breadth and replace a McKesson or a Cardinal with Amazon then hospitals were reluctant to do that. And so that really is the first uh, step where Amazon is uh, looked at an opportunity within the market and then has decided not to do that. So why should you care? Why does this matter to everybody inside this entire ecosystem? Well, Amazon again uh, is, is leading the way. They, they also have this agreement with Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company. Uh, which also is an insurance company, although they don't uh, participate in healthcare insurance. They, uh, they also own Geico, so that may be a brand that you're aware of. But then you also have uh, J.P. Morgan with uh, Jamie Dimon that is participating in this, this larger agreement to try to be a disruptor in uh, health care insurance for empl their employees. So it's not necessarily for people outside in their general market space. It's just for the people that work for those companies are going to try to create a relationship where they create uh, synergies or uh, overlapping abilities to lower healthcare costs for them, for uh, lower healthcare costs for those companies providing healthcare to their employees. And so Amazon's in that in that with them. This is a separate where Amazon is, is trying to get into the supply chain of those hospitals uh, and, and this is really, they found a lot of friction to where they can't get over the initial barriers to get into that market. One thing that, uh, reason that uh, you should also care if you are in the Silicon Valley uh, aspect, particularly in healthcare IT, is that uh, the healthcare space, I think, looks at uh, this entry into the market uh, of these companies as <clears throat> a, a real threat 
And so what the, uh, what the success or failure of these companies have, is, especially initially, is going to create uh, a certain reputation and a certain uh, aspect of kind of what, what's really going to happen here. Is this something that we have to account for? Is this really going to be the disruption that we think it is? Uh, because there's so many uh, buzzwords in the marketplace right now that you really have to try to boil down where are these companies going to shift. And when you say these companies, I'm saying you're talking about Cerner, you're talking about Epic, you're talking about uh, other companies, even payers, CVS, inside this market space. What are they going to have to account for? And you look at all the consolidation and I would say you would certainly look at it more as a uh, vertical integration uh, instead of a horizontal. And so when you, what do you talk about when you say that? So the, the horizontal integration would be Cerner buying Epic or Cerner buying Meditech or, you know, you buying a company that is a direct competitor to you. Where a vertical integration is uh, you buy a company that is in the same uh, industry but is doing another part of the process. So when you talk about uh, Aetna and uh, another healthcare tech company getting in or payers and CVS getting together, then you're talking about this vertical integration where you have delivery of care and payment of care and uh, people that sell into care providers all coming together to create a vertically integrated company, which is very interesting from the standpoint, if you look at the, the creation of healthcare insurance in general, the entire Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, association, so all across the country, all of those different companies, they were created by the hospital associations and doctors in order for hospitals and doctors to get away from uh, this payment system from people in a either not necessarily a barter uh, standpoint but at least from a uh, you know disjointed payment standpoint so health insurance was at least created to create a more consistent revenue stream for healthcare providers so here's Jeremy's take uh, from all of this um, Amazon got a little bit of comeuppance uh, they went up against McKesson and Cardinal and tried to leverage the big Amazon brand and the big Amazon structure to come in and compete with hospitals. And what they found out is that McKesson is the number five company in America for a reason. They have over $200 billion worth of sales every year. And if you were going to be able to simply walk into healthcare industry and the hospital supply chain and be a disruptor based on economies of scale, the fifth largest company in America could probably handle that. So that was not a problem. I'm really unclear what Amazon thought they were going to be able to do. Uh, this is not mom and pop bookstores that they're putting out of business like they did when they got into business in the 90s. And I think also this is a recognition that uh, the problem is, is much bigger and more complex. I think the perception from a lot of people inside of healthcare IT that are in much more of these traditional companies, uh, whether they be EHR or ambulatory or you know what have you, is um, if healthcare was so simply solved 
then uh, by these high-tech companies, then it would have kind of already been done by now. So it, this is at least a little bit of recognition and a little bit of satisfaction from these more established uh, individuals that it's not going to be quite as simple as, as they believed it would be. You know, and then finally you look at Apple and Amazon together uh, coming in. It's, it's not, um, I would not see this as a very altruistic or uh, solving uh, some, some hard problem because uh, this is something that finally uh, health, uh, high-powered technology has decided to kind of dip their toe into. This is not some other form of environmentalism or altruism. Uh, the reality is that healthcare is the largest and fastest growing segment of our economy. And so uh, now that you can say that the, the technology market in general is pretty much saturated, you know, the market that's going to pay for a thousand dollar cell phone, I would think is pretty, is getting, is not going to grow that much. Uh, and even if Apple starts to make headway across uh, the world and Amazon likewise, I think you've already found lots of companies in China that are starting and when the Chinese initiative uh, uh, trying to, I think it's uh, China 2025 or 2020, uh, where they're going to try to manufacture their own products to meet industrial demand. Uh, you, you can't continue to look overseas for continuing market growth, so you've got to find a different industry that's going to provide continued growth for your organization. And so, so far, I think what you've found is some of these high-tech companies are deciding that they can get into healthcare and that the, the barrier to entry into the market was going to be pretty low, which again, I think, uh, as I've mentioned, that, that we've now seen that, that the barrier and the, and the perception that healthcare is uh, late adopters to technology so you can leverage a lot of your in, um, existing intellectual property to get you into the market with a big splash, I think is probably found that's not, that's not exactly the case. So let's, um, let's wrap it up here again. Uh, this was a, this segment was about, uh, Amazon step back from, uh, pharmaceutical distribution inside the hospitals. So let's pivot and look at our other story of the week and really take a look at, uh, the VA and its uh, contract with Cerner. And we're back. So this second half of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the VA's contract with Cerner and it's increased from the initial cost of $10 billion to $16 billion. Yes, billion with a B. Can't see my uh, Dr. Evil pinky touch. Shout out to uh, Minnie Me passing away this weekend. There's a little bit of a, a tie-in right there to the date so for posterity. So the VA is... Uh, made a decision during the last administration to retire the homegrown uh, EHR that they created called VISTA. Uh, interesting thing is uh, the VISTA creation was fought virtually every step of the way by the administration. Uh, only once they found that it was wildly successful did the uh, 
did the VA start full-out funding uh, their homegrown EHR. So uh, they selected Cerner as a commercial off-the-shelf system, or COTS, through a, a no-bid contract that created some controversy. Uh, we can get to what the impact of that is or what the, what the difference is kind of in the, in the why you should care or, or my take side of this. The facts are that they selected Cerner through a no-bid contract uh, process, and the CIO that really was pushing for Cerner also announced this week that he was resigning from the VA, which is interesting when you consider that the secretary, the cabinet-level position, Dr. David Shulkin, has been, uh, well, there's controversy even around whether or not Dr. Shulkin was fired or resigned. He's not going to be there, and uh, so somebody else is going to have to manage this, but he did testify in front of Congress around the additional request for an appropriation to, to make it to a total of $16 billion. And generally, when he was pressed to give some detail around why it was around the API or the in, in new interoperability features that they're looking for, uh, generally would be considered within the same vein as FIRE which is uh, the buzziest of buzzwords, at least for the past couple of years around the HIT community. Uh, and a lot of buzz has been made around uh, that. And basically what FIRE is intended to do is provide a deeper uh, capability for different data points outside of the EHR to come in to different technologies uh, and, and really replace the traditional HL7 uh, version 2 data standard, which has been in, in place for, you know, over 30 years. And it, and it really might. Uh, the biggest thing that FIRE has needed is, is a business reason to make uh, or to force hospitals to go out and install the technology. I don't necessarily know that EHRs are charging a lot for that. And, and that's another reason that if the VA transitions to a fire-based inter, uh, interoperability standard, that'll probably create that business standard. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the VA is gonna, probably going to end up being a catalyst for fire being proliferated out through the world, but I don't necessarily know how much they're going to uh, take advantage from it uh, to be able to pull data in, we'll just kind of have to see. And and ultimately, it all rests on Cerner's ability to ingest those uh, resources within FHIR to um, enrich the Cerner database and, and the data set other than just the data that's being captured within the VA. So, you know, that's kind of the the issue from the standpoint of that's what's causing the story that you know the why should you care probably depends on who the you are uh, and, and what you know that means to you um, if you're a partner of Cerner if you're a customer of Cerner if you're a competitor of Cerner it's going to be interesting to see how this affects Cerner um, their leadership is going to be tested obviously the passing of, of, of Neil Patterson is going to definitely affect that. I think that he certainly had a powerful personality and, and a deep desire to to kind of push his company. And so we'll see what uh, 
this tight relationship with a governmental healthcare delivery system, really the only governmental healthcare system in America that's to this scale. Um, so, and that's kind of where where I am interested and where you should be interested to follow this. Um, and, and kind of why this, how this is going to impact Cerner is just like meaningful use impacted Cerner. Uh, meaningful use, if you, if you don't know, was a part of the High Tech Act, which is part of the stimulus bill that the Obama administration passed that for all intents and purposes drove healthcare to fully implement EHRs everywhere. There's still some paper records here and there. And, and, but what, one of the unintended consequences was is that between 2009 and 2012, it really stagnated and stifled any organic innovation in the EHR space. Uh, a lot of things were done for interoperability, which have some limited benefit, uh, but basically any other clinical desire or push from the customer base was was halted, and and now that's kind of we've. The market has grown beyond that, and I think you don't necessarily see a ton of um, impact left from that. But I think you're going to see this in, in a micro level impact Cerner, and so that's one of the things for Cerner's customer base is how much sway are they going to carry in that company from a development standpoint, from an R&D standpoint, to push for innovation on their commercial side. Now that there are 16 billion reasons to pay attention to the VA. So here's, here's my take around this. Um, the VA isn't ready for Cerner and Cerner is not ready for the VA. Um, the VA has a lot of processes and jobs and workflows and structure built around Vista and its, uh, front end system CPRS. And it's has been that way for whew, 30 plus years. And now Cerner is going to come in and there is going to be change around that. And it is going to be painful change for the VA. Uh, any government entity deals with change very, um, very hard to their structure, very hard for their employees to, to grab onto that. And, and then from the IT standpoint, the VA does not have any internal structure and, and thought processes around being a pure customer. They are used to being the owner of Vista and contracting out uh, improvements to it. So it, much like you are a homeowner and you go out and get a contractor to come in, if you don't like what your contractor is doing, you can fire them and bring somebody else in and, and get what you want out of the system. Uh, Cerner is very much, you know, buying something that somebody else owns, and Cerner can ultimately say no to the VA. Now, if this uh, open API interoperability is what it, they hope it to be, then there may be some flexibility that Cerner could go out on the marketplace and find somebody to make the changes that they want, even if it lives outside the core Cerner code. That remains to be seen. Uh, Cerner isn't ready for the VA yet because of the VA structure. There are project managers on top of program managers on top of managers for managers. Uh, there are meetings to talk about when you're going to meet. Um, 
and and the TPS reports, office space would look like a uh, lean, mean, efficiency machine compared to uh, the VA. And it's, it is uh, something that Cerner can't be ready for. No company could be ready for it. In fact, um, if, you, if you look at one of the criticisms around this with, with Cerner getting a no-bid contract, I think a very good uh, kind of illumination of what, what the public is looking for and what Cerner is thinking they're going to get. Just look at what the DOD, the Department of Defense, got with their with their last uh, bid out EHR that they're replacing something called Alta, made by Lockheed Martin. Yes, that Lockheed Martin, that missile shooting plane building Lockheed Martin, not very much uh, synergy with healthcare IT which showed in their product. Uh, the DOD um, personnel that had to use it hated it from the first day. And nobody is shedding a tear for its departure. The problem is uh, that is what you get when you go through governmental bid and acquisition processes. You get not necessarily a lot of common sense and context. So. We're going to wrap it up right here. You've spent the better part of half an hour listening to me, and I want to be appreciative of that. Uh, we will try to do this again next week, have something ready for you that's worth listening to. Uh, if the news is light this week, uh, we may get into GE's divestiture. That will be uh, interesting to talk about at some point. And I imagine that process will be slow enough that we can look at that. And also, uh, don't be afraid to give me topics that you would like to hear more about. Maybe fire. Fire was a lot of, uh, came up in the conversation a lot today. And so um, throw some comments out there. Let me really hear what you like, what you didn't. Uh, audio quality. This was the pilot episode, the introductory episode. So there's going to be a lot of, of, uh, of learning. Uh, on my side, hopefully there's a few nuggets here and there for you to learn as well. So with this, I'll sign off. Uh, my time is up, and I thank you for yours. <laughs>